This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we'll turn things over to Red Skelton and his many characters. But first, it's science fiction on the bill. It's a show from X-1 and the episode entitled Time After Time. Countdown for blast off. X-5, 4, 3, 2, X-1, fire. Far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents X minus one. Tonight's story, Time and Time Again, by H. Beam Piper. It happened during a routine skirmish in the Great War. Patrols advanced from the defense perimeter under jet cover and preceded by napalm throwers. The enemy defended in depth and mopped up with guided 98s fired from 40 miles to the rear. The blast area was 10 miles in circumference. And the medics didn't find much to pick up over 500 yards in. Come on, come on. All right, now back it in here. Look out, it's lousy with mud. More, more. Now, now cut left. More, hold it. Stretches. Come on, Travers, get those men out. Yes, sir. Get a move on. Line them up. Come on. Easy, easy. You want to kill them? Okay, take it away. Those Joes where they was. Half of them won't last if the plane comes. As long as they're alive, they'll be treated. Get those tags out, Travis. Start taking names. Yes, sir. This one must have been a thousand yards in. Get his dog tag out. What a mess. Here. Hartley Allen, Captain G5 Chem Research AN 73D. Number SO 238694 403 J. Hartley? Allen Hartley. Oh. That must be the Hartley that wrote uh, Children of the Mist and Conquer's Road. Never heard of him. Major. Major, I think maybe he's partly conscious. Had I better give him another shot? Go ahead, Sergeant. There isn't much else we can do for him. It's a rotten shame. 
Yeah, ain't it always? Okay, Captain, let me have that arm. There. Vivid. Strange. Alan, are you all right? I'm all right. What's wrong with my voice? Huh? Ah! It's too high. What are you doing? Practicing singing? My voice has changed. <laughs> Is that all? You're growing up. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday? Hey, wake up, son. Wake up. I am awake. It's impossible. I, I am awake. Well, the way you slept through that alarm, I'd say it was impossible. Come on, out of bed. I don't understand. You went to bed at a decent hour. You could wake up the next morning. Come on, son. Breakfast waiting. Out of bed or I'll turn it over. All right, all right. It's a dream. Maybe. But you're wide awake now. I am. I'm awake. Well, half awake anyway. That's the bell at St. Boniface, isn't it? What? What day is it? Are you kidding? You forget today's your birthday? No, no. No, I, I didn't forget. Neither did I. Here, son. Happy 13th birthday. <laughs> you won't guess what's in here. A rifle. A light 22 rifle. Oh. Oh, now, how did you know that? I remember it. Did I spill the beans sometime? No. Oh. I could have sworn it would be a surprise. Well, go on. Open it. You like it? Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect, Dad. I will have to lay down rules about using it. And I'll have to teach you how to operate it. I don't believe in letting a boy handle a gun until he really knows how. <laughs> if I let you play with that thing before I teach you about guns, you'd blow your head off. I suppose so. I'll be shaving, Alan. Come down to breakfast when you're ready. Well, it's a big day today. You're almost a man. Almost. <laughs> you're still groggy. Snap out of it, Alan. I, I will. It... It's a dream in it somewhere, but I'm not sure which. What? Ne ne never mind, Dad. I'll be right down for breakfast. What you going to do today, son? Well, I want to do some reading this morning. I oh, that's always a good thing to do. After breakfast, suppose you take a walk down to the station and get me a Times. Didn't it come? What, the Times? Well, they don't deliver. <laughs> Be a good idea, though. Maybe I'll talk to Sam Ashburn about it. Here's a half dollar, Alan. Get anything you want for yourself out of the change. Thanks, Dad. Uh, finish your milk before you go. Oh, <laughs> sure, Dad. Thanks for the money. You're big enough to handle it now. Hurry back. I'd like to finish the crossword puzzle before lunch. <laughs> Here you are, Alan, one times. Tell your father the puzzle's a stinker this week. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Ashburn. Look out for the trucks when you cross the highway. I'll go across Elton's lot. It's a shortcut. Elton's? <laughs> You'll have a hard time crossing there, son. There's four buildings on that block. I thought they burned down. 
I've seen him this morning, big as life. I guess that didn't happen yet. What'd you say? N- nothing, Mr. Ashburn. I was just muttering. Mm. My days, youngsters talked up. Yes, sir. Bye, Mr. Ashburn. Monday, August 6th, 1945. Okinawa 1. I'm in Japan. Hey! Hey, Alan! Huh? Alan, wait up! Hey, Larry Morton! Hi, Larry! Hi, Al. You going to Sunday school? No, I have some things I want to do at home. Oh, get him. Fancy pants talk. Things I want to do at home. Oh, go chase yourself around the block. Go jump in a garbage can. Go take a flying jet to the moon. Hey, that's a new one. Flying jet to the moon. You thought up a new one, Al. Yeah. I wish I could stay home from Sunday school when I wanted to. How about us going swimming at the canoe club after? Oh, I wish I could. I got to stay home. We're expecting company. A couple of aunts of mine. Dad wants me to stay home when I come. Ants are a pain. Nothing I can do. You see the football movie at the Grand? Boy, what a team. Notre Dame. I thought you'd like Cornell. Cornell? Huh. They couldn't beat Vassar. Well, you're going to go to Cornell, aren't you? Me, Cornell? Fat chance. I'll bet you do. I wouldn't take your money. Well, I know you wouldn't, but you'll go to Cornell, all right. Ha, Cornell. Far above Cayuga's waters, there's an awful smell. Just the same. You'll go to Cornell. Larry, I, I gotta go. Well, so long, Al. I'll see you. So long, Larry. See you. Stuck in this corner, stone letter word that makes in proportion. Titrate. Titrate. T I. It fits. Now, now how, how did you know that, Alan? That? I read it somewhere, I guess. Oh. What you reading now? Tarzan again? No, not, not Tarzan. It's refreshing to see you with a book. Sometimes I think I ought to forbid comic books in the house. Hmm. Yeah, they must be raising the devil with those bombing raids in Japan. How long do you think the war in Japan will last, Dad? Oh? Hmm, I'd say it's the middle of 1946. They'll have to invade those islands foot by foot. I don't think so, Dad. I wouldn't be surprised if the war was over very suddenly. How, by magic? <laughs> there isn't a thing on earth will make those Japanese surrender. You expect somebody to make a pass and it'll be all over by this afternoon? Something like that. Mm, I wish you could. A lot of boys dead in the invasion of Japan. Mr. Hartley, excuse me, please. Oh, hello, Mr. Gutchell. That's Frank Gutchell, Dad? That's right. Excuse me. I didn't mean to disturb you, Mr. Hartley. Well, it's all right. Lovely day, isn't it, Mr. Gutchell? Uh, Mr. Hartley, the Lord's Day is always beautiful. <laughs> of course, Mr. Gutchell. Mr. Hartley, I, I wonder if... Uh, if you could lend me a gun and some bullets. My little dog's been hurt and it's been suffering something terrible. Oh, that's too bad. I want a gun to put the poor thing out of its pain. Of course. Uh, how would a 20-gauge shotgun do? You wouldn't want anything heavy. I was hoping you'd let me have a little gun. Maybe, oh, uh, so big. Pistol? So I could put it in my pocket. It wouldn't look right to carry a hunting gun on the Lord's Day. and People wouldn't understand. That it was for a work of mercy. Of course, I understand. You're, you're a very religious man. The whole world is evil, Mr. Hartley. Yeah, sometimes it certainly looks like it. Well, I have a 
Colt 38 Special from the auxiliary police outfit. Well, that's fine. Now, you've got to bring it right back, Mr. Gutchell. I might be called out. Now, you'll have to promise to get it right back. Uh, Dad, uh, wait a minute. I, I just remembered. Uh, remembered what? Well, aren't there some cartridges left for the Luger? Then you wouldn't be without the Colt. That's right. I have got a German automatic I could let you have. That way I wouldn't get stuck. You'd have to return it promptly, though. Oh, wait, Dad. I'll get it. I know where the cartridges are. Be careful, are. son. Well, Mr. Gutchell, it sure turned out nice. Hello, police headquarters. This is Blake Hartley. Frank Gutchell, who lives on Campbell Street, has just borrowed a gun from me, ostensibly to shoot a dog. What? No, he has no dog. He intends shooting his wife. Now, listen, he'll walk home. If you hurry, you can get a man there on time. What? No, but I wish you'd get my pistol back to me. It's from the First World War. All right, all right. Then you'll take care of it. Goodbye. There you are. What kept you, Alan? Oh, I couldn't find the cartridges at first. I'll show Mr. Gutchell how it works. It's all loaded, ready to shoot. This is the safety. Just push it forward and up. There are eight shots in it. Did you load the chamber, Alan? Sure. It's on safe now. You understand how it works, Mr. Gutchell? Oh, yes. Yes, I understand. Thank you, Mr. Hartley. Thank you, Sonny. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Gutchell. Return the gun when you're done. Yes, I'll be done with it soon. Goodbye. Alan. You shouldn't have loaded that gun. I guess it's all over now. I had to keep you from fooling with it. I didn't want you to see I took out the firing pin. You what? Gutchell didn't want that gun to shoot a dog. He's a fanatic. He sees visions, hears voices. The voices probably put him up to this. Well, I'll submit that any man who holds intimate conversations with disembodied spirits isn't to be trusted with a gun. What are you talking about? While I was at it, I called the police upstairs. I put a handkerchief over my mouth and told them I was you. You? Well, why did you have to do that? I couldn't have told them this is little Alan Hartley, 13 years old. Then suppose he really wants to shoot a dog. What kind of a mess will I be in then? No mess. If I'm wrong, which I'm not, I'll take the rap for it. Dumb kid trick, you know. But if I'm right, you'll have to front for me. You give me a lot of cheap boy hero publicity, which I don't want. This is crazy, Alan. This is absolutely crazy. Maybe. Another complete returns in 20 minutes. Mr. Hartley? Mr. Blake Hartley? That's right. I'm Detective Sergeant Kaborski from Homicide. Here's your Luger. Thank you. I don't know how you spotted that guy, but when we busted in, he was pointing that gun at his wife and swearing a blue streak because it wouldn't go off. I'm, uh... I'm glad I was able to help. You know, they may even have some kind of a citation for you, Mr. Hartley. I, I, I don't think that's necessary. In the department, we figure a little publicity never hurt nobody. Even a lawyer. I really would prefer it if we kept quiet. Well, whatever you say. Uh, we'll want you to drop around in the morning for a statement. I'll be glad to. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Sonny. Uh, goodbye, goodbye, Sergeant. Sergeant. Uh... Why don't you take the citation, Dad? Well, you were right. You saved that woman's life. Now, let's see you put back the firing pin. Sure. Huh. All right, Alan. 
Suppose we have a little talk. I explained everything. You did not. Yesterday, you wouldn't even have known how to take this pistol apart. Today, you've been using language and expressing ideas that are outside of everything you've ever known before. Now, I want to know... I hope you're not toying with the medieval notion of obsession. What? Well, you say I'm changed. When did you first notice this? Last night, you were still my little boy. This morning, I don't know. You've been strange all day. There's been something. Alan, what's happened to you? I wish I could be sure of myself, Dad. You see, when I woke this morning, I hadn't the least recollection of anything I'd done yesterday, August 4th, 1945. Oh, that's serious. You don't know how serious. My last memory was lying on a stretcher, injured by a bomb explosion. I was 43 years old, and the year was 1975. 1975? That's right, you'll be 43 in 1975, but, but, but a bomb. Yes, during the siege of Buffalo in the Third World War. I was a captain in G5, Scientific Warfare, General Staff. Buffalo? You mean Buffalo, New York? There'd been a transpolar invasion of Canada. I was sent to the front to check on service failures of a new lubricating oil. A week after I got there, Ottawa fell and the retreat started. We made a stand at Buffalo and that was where I got it. I remember being picked up and getting a narcotic injection. The next thing I knew, I was in bed upstairs and it was 1945 again. And I was back in my own 13-year-old body. <laughs> Oh, Alan, you just had a nightmare to end all nightmares, that's all. I thought it might be that at first, but I rejected it. It won't fit the facts. But it's ridiculous, all this Battle of Buffalo stuff. You picked up something listening to the radio. All the commentators have been going on about another war after this one. You've just got an undigested hunk of H.V. Calvin born in your subconscious, that's but all. that isn't everything. I remember four years of high school, four years at Cornell, seven years as a reporter on the Philadelphia Record, three novels, Children of the Mist, Rose of Death, Conqueror's Road. You think a 13-year-old can dream up all that stuff? But it's the only possible explanation. Maybe, but I can speak five languages today that I couldn't yesterday. French, German, Chinese, Russian, and a little Spanish. Although I've got a Mexican accent you could cut with a knife. But, but how did it happen? I, Alan, I, I can't believe it. All I know is here I am. I, I, I've been reading up on time theories. Nobody seems to know much about them. Evidently, time exists parallel as another dimension, and I got kicked backwards along it. But how? Maybe the radiations from the bomb or the narcotic injection, or both together. But the fact remains, I'm here with full knowledge of my future identity. This... This is quite a shock, Ellen. But you do believe me, don't you? Yes, I suppose I must. You seem so strange, as if you weren't my son. I'm your son, all right. Same body as yesterday. I, I've just had an educational shortcut. <sighs> Wait a minute. If you can remember the next 30 years, suppose you tell me when the war is going to end. This one against the Japs, I mean. Oh, sure. Well, a Japanese surrender will be announced at exactly 7.01 p.m. on August 14th. That's a week from Tuesday. A week from Tuesday. You better make sure we have plenty of grub in the house by then. Everything will be closed up tight till Thursday morning, even the restaurants. I remember we had nothing to eat in the house but some scraps. A week from Tuesday. Well, that's pretty sudden, isn't it? Not after today. What do you mean? What happened today? Oh, plenty. Uh, what time is it, Dad? That's hmm? 11.16. Is your watch right? Well, to the seconds, why? Well, it'll come at exactly 11.17.40. What'll come? The radio announcement. What are you getting at? Something important on the radio? Well, we'll see. Well, don't bother, Dad. It won't work. I remember we had a tube burned out. 
There is something wrong. When is this announcement of yours? Now I remember it. I, I memorized it in journalism school in 1954. What, what time is it? 11, 18 o'clock. I'm breaking into the program now. President Truman has just announced that an atomic bomb has been dropped on the Japanese industrial city of Hiroshima. The bomb was dropped 16 hours ago, and the announcement was delayed to ascertain the results of the explosion. A man named John Howard Peterson read that announcement from the Washington newsroom of NBC. I, I don't believe it. No? Well, listen. But... That's the Burke Platt factory whistle. A and the bells of St. Boniface. Now, next, the whistle at the volunteer firehouse. Black. Then it's true. It's true. Sure. Then Larry Morton came by on his bicycle. Hey, 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 Al. Al, you hear? You hear about the bomb? An atomic bomb? Yeah, we heard. Boy, atomic bomb. Oh, boy. I gotta go find my poppies on the golf course. Bye, Al. Bye, Mr. Hartley. You knew. You knew about it. The next bomb hits Nagasaki. I thought that stuff about atomic energy was so much fantasy. Was it? Was that the kind of bomb that got you? That was a firecracker to the one that got me. It was a guided 98. Exploded 10 miles away. And that's going to happen in 30 years? I remember. How about... Well, uh... How about me? No, wait, wait. Never mind. I don't think I'd better know when I'm going to die. I couldn't tell you anyway. I had a letter from you just before I left for the front. You were 78 then, and you were still hunting and fishing and flying your own plane. But another war. And fought on American soil. Oh, Ellen, I wish this hadn't happened to you. It happened. I remember it. But if I can help it, I'm not going to get killed in any battle of Buffalo. But if you remember it, if time exists as a parallel dimension, then every tick we're getting closer to that Third World War. Dad, you know what I remembered when Gutchell came to borrow that gun? No, I suppose that you suspected him and warned me. No, 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 that wasn't it. The other time, the first time, when I was really 13, I wasn't home. I'd been swimming at the canoe club with Larry Morton. When I got home about a half an hour from now, I found the house full of cops. But if the gun didn't fire... What makes you think it didn't? Gretchel talked the 38 out of you. He went home, shot his wife four times in the body, once behind the ear, and used the sixth shot to blow his own brains out. That's what you remember? Yes. The cops traced the gun. They took a very poor view of your lending it to him. You never got it back. But here it is. Well, not the way I remember it. But I didn't want you in trouble, so I warned you. Dad, I found out the future can be changed. One man can't change the whole future. I stopped a murder and a suicide. I know, but... With uh, 30 years to work, I can stop a world war. I'll have the means, too. The means? Unlimited wealth and influence. I've got a good memory, Dad. I wrote a list out this afternoon. Salt. Jet pilot, citation, ponder, middle ground. What is this, a code? Horses. That's a list of Kentucky Derby winners from 1946 to 1970. Huh? You sure? Oh, I learned that list on a bet at the Officers Club in Cincinnati in 1971. Assault paid eight to one. You figure out what we can take in. But gambling. Oh, this isn't gambling. It's a sure thing. When we get rolling, we'll make the Rockefellers look like pikers. Hmm. Assault at eight to one. Mm hmm. I suppose I could scrape up $5,000. Hmm. In ten years, that'll make a lot of money. Uh, any other little thing you have in mind, Ellen? Well, by 1952, we start building a political organization here in Pennsylvania. 
in uh, 1960, I think we can elect you president. President? Is that going a little too far? Well, why not? Who wouldn't vote for a politician who was always right? Hmm. Besides, that's the one thing we've got to change. In 1960, we had a man in the White House who was good to his wife and sang a nice tenor, and that's about all. He fouled up so completely, we ended up at war. Now, I think President Hartley might be a little more trusted to take a strong line. But I don't know anything about international decisions. I do. I know all the wrong ones. If we can stop one murder, we can stop a war. It's worth a try, isn't it? I guess so. Hmm. Uh, how do I start? Well, as I remember, just after the bomb announcement... You got a phone call from the city fusion party about the next election. Well, there's a lot of talk about a reform ticket. Well, that call is going to be important, Dad. It's the turning point. Now, now you've got to know. There it is. Well, what do I do? Well, answer it. Go ahead. But... Don't worry. I'll tell you what to do. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, this is Blake Hartley. Judge Cribbins. Yes. Uh, just a moment. Alan. Oh. He's asking me to run. Oh, my head. Alan. Alan, what's the matter? Oh. Alan! He passed out. Alan, what do I do now? Alan, listen to me. Alan! Alan, what's the matter? Captain. Captain Hartley. Captain Hartley. He was all right, Doctor. I gave him the shot and he was all right. Well, he's dead. All right, Sergeant. Make out the tag. Hartley Allen. Captain. Dead April 8th, 1975. Alan. Alan, what happened? Alan. Alan. Uh, huh? Alan, are you all right? Uh, oh. I did. I've got Judge Crimmins on the phone. What do I tell him? What? what? Alan, are you all right? You passed out. Sure. I'm all right. Hey, today's my birthday, isn't it? What'd you give for my birthday, huh? Don't you remember? The Third World War? What Third World War? Dad, what's the matter? You're looking at me funny. You don't remember. You're back again, aren't you? Back to 13 years old. Sure, I'm 13 today, for corn's sake, Dad. You must have died up there. It was only a mind transfer. That means I'm on my own. I have to do it myself without your help. Help for what? If it's the grass, I said I'd cut it tomorrow. No, no, it's not the grass. I've got to save your life, Ellen. We can't let you die that way in 1975. What are you talking about, Dad? You sound goofy. I've got to change it all by myself. Change what? Never mind, Alan. You don't know yet. Come on. Let's have lunch. Sure, Dad, but how about my present now? What'd you give me for my birthday, In huh? a minute, son. Go on in. Okay. Well, hurry up, Dad. Huh? Sure, all right. Hmm. Now, where did I put that list of horses?
You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Time and Time Again, written by H. Beam Piper and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Jack Grimes, Peter Fernandez, Joe DeSantis, Joseph Bell, Clark Gordon, Herm Dinkin, Dick Hamilton, and James Dukas. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Red Skelton, and this episode is entitled Junior's Arsenal. Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, The Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, by the way, Rod, how was your trip to St. Louis with Art Lake Letter last week? Oh, it was wonderful. Yes, well, huh? Hmm? But you get tired flying around the country all the time? Oh, no, those DC sixes and constellations are wonderful. Yeah, but you got to lose weight. What do you mean? <laughs> One of the stewardesses told me that they strapped you in your berth and during the night you turned over in your sleep and they flew 90 miles upside down. <laughs> Skip what's written here and pick up the next one. I'm not that fat. Uh, hey, I'm sorry you couldn't come to our housewarming, Rod. Well, I'm sorry too, Red, yeah. but I'm glad that you and your wife, Georgia, have finally settled in your new house. How do you like it? Oh, fine. We just stand around and look at it all the time. <laughs> I mean, you stand around because you're so thrilled with it? No, after paying for the house, we haven't got any money left to buy any furniture. <laughs> well, what kind of house is it? It's a Spanish house. Stucco? I certainly was. <laughs> It was a pretty good bargain, though. $10,000 home for only $30,000 down. Who owned it before you? Some used car dealer, I think. <laughs> it's nice, though. It's got a sunken, sunken living room. They told me after I sprained my ankle. Well, it must be old. You know, those sunken living rooms are old-fashioned. I know, but earthquakes are still the vogue in California. <laughs> earthquakes. Uh, <laughs> how many rooms did it have? about us when they're lousy they're good and lousy. how many rooms does it have how many rooms well let's see it's got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. counting the uh, closets no oh, five rooms how many baths do you have i have one every morning why <laughs> hey here here here's a picture of the house it's a picture of the house yeah of course it'll look better when i chop those weeds down well, if I were you, I'd leave the weeds and chop the house down. 
Well, it ain't that bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Say, uh, you do have a nice view of the mountains, though. Oh, those aren't mountains. You see, I started a rock garden that got away from me. <laughs> hey, here's a picture of the kitchen. Here's a picture of the kitchen. Well, look at that sink. It's right down on the floor. That yeah, is kind of low. Must be a strain to wash the dishes. Doesn't your wife complain? Only when I ask her to massage my back after I finish the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of furniture do you have? Is it Swedish modern, period, or early American? American surplus. <laughs> Army surplus. <laughs> Army surplus? Yeah, we use a life raft for a mattress, old spam cans for flower pots, mm-hmm. combat boots for bedroom slippers, and you should see the deep freeze. It's a Sherman tank with a lieutenant in it. <laughs> Why a lieutenant? Huh? Why a lieutenant? They're the coldest things I ever met. <laughs> Well, you know, it'll be a nice house when you get it all fixed up, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. No, not with Georgia around. She's an artist. No, mm-hmm. last week she papered the hall with rolls of piano music. Mm-hmm. How does it look? Well, it looks all right, but every time you sneeze, the walls play Holiday for Strings. <laughs> Tides in. Dirt's out. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Hold on there, gal. You're talking about the product I love. <laughs> saying it's the best soap for just getting things clean is only telling half the yarn. Well, even out the commercial. <laughs> you didn't let her finish, did I? She was going to say Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap and cleaner than any other suds. Mm-hmm. Any other washing product known. Procter & Gamble's Tide does a thorough top-to-bottom job on your family wash. Tide not only leaves all your clothes free from dirt, it removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide actually brightens gay stripes and checks. Really freshens up those soap dull colors. And here's how Tide treats white shirts, table linens, and sheets. In hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week after week. Never turns them yellow. Make your next wash a Tide wash. For only a Tide wash is all these wonderful things. The cleanest, the brightest, the whitest wash you ever hung on the line. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the four knights will sing Casey Jones. Sing it like you do at the cricket club, boy. Come on. Now, if you want to hear the story of a brave engineer, fellow who never knew the meaning of fear, Casey Jones was the roundest name. On a 6-8 wheeler, boy, he won his fame. The caller called Casey at half past four, kissed his wife at the station door. Then he mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand, and he took his farewell trip to the promised land. Casey Jones. Mounted to the cabin. Well, Casey Jones. With his orders in his hand. 
Maybe I'll be lucky and won't live to 60. <laughs> Answer that one, wise girl. Oh, Willie, you provoke me. Yeah, you provoke me too. Tell her to pack her racing for me. <laughs> Here's your orange juice. Now, could I have the glass, please? <laughs> well, I didn't mean to throw it at you, but you get me so mad. Uh, now, will you please get out of bed? Yeah, I, um... Uh... I can't budge. <laughs> I started to say bulge. <laughs> I can't budge. I got so many covers on me last night, they got me pinned down this morning. The covers aren't holding you down. You're sleeping under the mattress. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Now, I wanted my pants to have a nice crease in them, so I put them under the mattress, and I was too tired to take them off. <laughs> Rest and I'll make some breakfast. Yeah, let's not have biscuits again. We didn't have biscuits last week. That's what I mean. Let's not have them again this week. <laughs> Here's some clean socks. Yeah, I'm glad you gave me some cleaning. Those others were hitchhiking around the room last night. Willie, hmm? will you be home early tonight? I'll be home 20 minutes after. 
20 minutes after what? After they throw me out of Joe's place. <laughs> that reminds me, I'm thirsty. Oh, I'll get you some water. I said thirsty, not dirty. <laughs> Oh, it won't hurt. Did you ever see the inside of a water pipe? (laughs) And did you ever see the inside of a fermented keg? Well, I'd rather be moldy than rusty. (laughs) Why do you want me to come home early tonight for? Because we're invited out to a party. Uh, good, good. Anybody we know? Yes, why do you ask? Well, the people that know us don't usually invite us back the second time. <laughs> Who is it, the Norm Thalens, those natural sports? Huh? Oh, and by the way, Willie, the party is formal. <laughs> yeah? Well, in that case, you better sew some tails on my sweatshirt. <laughs> on second uh, thought, I, I will wear my Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, and then you won't have to bother sewing on the tail. <laughs> Sorry, I thought of that. Willie, I need a new dress. A new dress? Well, may I ask what's wrong with the last dress I bought you? It's out of style. What do you mean it's out of style already? You just got it for Dewey's speech, and as I recall, the Admiral complimented you on it. (laughs) Not this, Dewey, the one that took Manila's. I looked in the audience and I saw somebody explaining it in terms of... I thought I better... Oh, Willie. <laughs> I spend less on an evening dress than you spend in a week at Joe's place. Yeah, but what I spend it on keeps me warm, boy. Well, I guess we'll just have to cancel the date. Yeah. I won't wear my old dress. Makes me look a fright. Well, as long as it's an improvement, what do you care? <laughs> Willie, do you want me to make a good impression? Okay. You do, don't you? Okay. Maybe you don't. Maybe you'd rather I wear my old rag or go out in a gunny sack. I knew a gunny sack would look good. It'll match that potato head of yours. Besides, my bank account is getting pretty low. Have your checks been bouncing? Bouncing? I got news for you. Did you know that last month when the bank returned my checks, the mailman dribbled them to the door? neighbors to hear you. I don't care. I don't have to impress the neighbors. I don't have to impress anybody. You said that twice. Said what? You don't have to impress people. I just said that. (laughs) You and your big mouth, you're the pick. What did you say? I said I don't have to impress people. You're right, Willie. You don't have to impress people. You're on a one dead end street here. (laughs) And I noticed that last night at our party, you tried to impress your boss with one of your fancy mixtures. What do you mean by that? What was wrong with being neighborly? Well, I suppose you know your boss is in the hospital. No. What happened? Well, you fixed him one of your Willie Lump Lump specials. Then he opened the window on the second floor and said, Well, I think I'll fly around the block. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that now. Oh, you do? Yeah. Why didn't you stop him? I thought he could make it. David Rose and the and Gamble Orchestra will play Liza, and this week Dave will be in New Orleans at the Roosevelt Hotel. 
I bet there's not a lady listening who hasn't felt that dishwashing could use a miracle. And I'm here to say that Tide is that miracle. Procter & Gamble's Tide washes dishes cleaner than any soap in the world. Tide cuts grease better than any soap, too. Cuts it right out of the picture. So there's no scum in the dishwater. No greasy ring around the pan. And when your dishes and glasses rinse and dry, they're really clear and sparkling. Because with Tide, there's no cloudy film to dim their brightness. Those Tide suds are in the miracle class, too. In even the hardest water, they billow up instantly. Oceans of them. In hardest water, too, those tide suds last and last. And all the while, they're so kind to your hands. Sure, it's a miracle. Sure, you'd better try it. Tide for dishes. Page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. 
Have you ever noticed how children are constantly being called stupid because they pick up a knife or a box of matches that mom and pop have left lying around? Well, let's see what happens when things like that are within reach of Junior, a mean little kid. I thought I'd wait till I'm 21 and I'll be too old for spanking. <laughs> now, whatever gave you the idea, I was going to spank you. Junior, what are you doing with my good blanket? Well, I'm pretending I was on a camping trip. See, and this is me tent. This is me tent. And this is the flat where I go in. Oh, I'll flat you, young man, my good blanket. Oh, you. How can you stand the smell of all those mothballs? Mothballs? Is that what them little things are? I thought they were skunk eggs. <laughs> Nemo, come on, climb in your tent with me. Get in out of the rain. Come on, get in out of the rain. I wish I had your imagination, dear. But I just can't pretend it's raining in my own living room. Yeah, well, it'll be easier for you when the tub upstairs starts to run over you. <laughs> oh, Junior, you're kidding me. <laughs> you keep laughing, kiddo, that's all. <laughs> In the meantime, while you're doing it, you better put on some water wings, I'm telling you. <laughs> Junior, mm-hmm. you deserve a good whipping. You mean right now? Well, why not right well, now? Well, I thought you'd like to check over all the stuff I got here in my tent, and you may be able to kill two hairbrushes with one junior. <laughs> That's an excellent idea. Yeah. Wait, what's that pile of wood for? That's for me campfire if it gets cold. Junior, you wouldn't build a campfire in the living room. What are you thinking of? Toasted marshmallows. <laughs> Junior... Do you have any matches? No, I thought I'd rub two of uh, those bottles that Grandpa's together. They seem to light him up, you know. <laughs> you know. Well, at least you're not playing with matches. No. You know better than that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, because they don't do half a good job as this blowtorch does. <gasps> oh, yeah, now, give, baby boy, give me that blowtorch. Somebody with a celluloid leg or hot foot with that thing. Junior, hmm? give me that blowtorch. I think I'd better take a look and see what else you have in your tent. Well, now, don't mess with me. <gasps> oh! A can of inflammable cleaning fluid. A hatchet. Ant paste. Yeah. Ice pick. Oh! My meat cleaver! <laughs> Junior, what on earth are you thinking of? I'm thinking of getting out of here while I still all in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> don't you realize that these things are dangerous? Oh? You mustn't play with sharp objects. Why? Why, you might cut yourself. Oh? And band-aids are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, nosy, while you're out snooping around, maybe you would like to see the rest of me buried treasure, too. Yes, I would. Where right. are your buried treasures? Over there. You see the yes. part of the rug that's been cut in a square there? Oh, no. Oh, you didn't cut a square in the rug. No, 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 no. Only on three sides so it would open like a trap door. <laughs> My good hook rug. Well, it don't look like you're going to have to hook another one. <laughs> It won't do you any good. I'm not the type to tan. I just turned red. <laughs> Let's see what you've buried under there. Here, only this thing. Here. Your father's shotgun. Put yeah, it down! Yeah. Oh, yeah, you scared me, too. <laughs> Don't get so excited. I looked down the barrel. It ain't loaded. If I, anything came out, I could see it before it got out. <laughs> Put that gun down. It ain't loaded. Look, I pulled the trigger and show you. No! Ah! Are you all right, child? Oh, the backfire knocked you clean across the room. Oh, you're a good boy not to cry. I didn't know I could cry. I thought I was dead. (laughs) I wonder 
I wonder if that shot did any damage to the house. Uh, we'll see when the smoke clears away. Oh, look, Nemo, now I got a cave to play in. The wall's gone. <laughs> Mother, tell me, what was that shot? That's no way to punish Junior. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, Nemo and I had a little riff and she beat me to the draw. Now, don't listen to him. <laughs> don't you listen to him. That stupid husband of yours left his gun where Junior could get a hold of it. Junior, come here to me. No, no, don't, please. No, I didn't know you would know this. Oh, Junior, don't you realize that you might have been injured? Yes, I might have been injured. Are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. <laughs> now, maybe this will teach you to leave that gun. No, oh, 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 oh. Mummies are so unpredictable, you know. <laughs> you hit me, you hit me. It's your fault. You should get the weapon for being too careless. You growing up leave things around for us little kids and we don't know any different. Uh, never mind the lecture. I don't know, I don't know. Now get yourself up to your room. No, I go next door and play with Bill Harris. <laughs> Mother. I hate to spank him so much. I do too. It's getting so lately I see the back of him more than his face. <laughs> In this case, the child is right. It's our fault for leaving things within his reach. Oh, just wait until his father comes home. Am I going to let him have it for leaving that gun loaded? Oh, why did I marry him anyway? Well, you're just like your father. You'd marry anything. Without me supper, so I figured a widow piece of cheese would be better than nothing at all. <laughs> Look, I think you'd better come back to my room, Junior, where I can keep an eye on you. Mother, do you think juvenile jury could help us solve him? <laughs> no, dear. They only solve natural problems. <laughs> Not supernatural. Junior, go to my room. Okay, okay. I wish Bill Harris was sober so I could play with him. <laughs> oh, here I am, darling. No, I wonder if there's any candy around here. I could nab before the dictators come upstairs. Let's see. Nope, nothing in that drawer. Boy, it's as empty as a bar without a television set. <laughs> What's these little box here on the bedstand? Jelly beans! Red jelly beans. Mommy calls them sleepy pills, but that's only because she knows how I hate to sleep. But, ooh, I love jelly beans. I just eat three or four of them. <clears throat> Boy, they bitter. Woo! Woo! I better get a drink of water to get that taste out of my mouth. Right, let's see now if I can reach that glass up there. I stand on me tippy toes. Maybe I can reach it. Nope, nope, nope. I could have made it if Namo hadn't have trimmed me toenails. <laughs> I jumped for it. I jumped for it. Oh, broke the glass. Well, I, I got to remember to tell Mummy about the broken glass. She might cut her feet when she takes a bath. I just crawl in the bathtub and get a drink from the picket. Boy, there's nothing like crawling into a bathtub, especially when there's no water in it, you know. <laughs> No, oh, oh, no, mommy, no, 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 no. Junior, what on earth? What are you doing in that bathtub? I turned the shower on by mistake and tricked myself into taking a bath. Well, get out of the bathtub. Be careful, you might slip, hit your head, and crack the enamel. Yeah. <laughs> and, mommy, can I take a nap? I get me lucky. You actually asked to take a nap? Yeah. Tell me, are you running a temperature? Oh, no, I just feel sleepy. You think the Sandman made an early delivery today? <laughs> Look what's on the floor. Oh, oh, my sleeping pills. Junior, did you eat any of these pills? 
I just got long lids all the way <laughs> Junior, answer me. Did you eat any of those sleeping pills? Well, I ate them things in the box. Why didn't you tell me they were Halloween trick jelly beans? Oh, you poor little dog. Oh, what shall I do? <coughs> Don't let him go to sleep. Don't. The emergency squad is on the way. Keep him talking. Talk to Mummy, darling. Yes. Say something. Anything. Who won the fourth at Hollywood Park? <laughs> Can you hear me? Can you hear me, baby? No, but you sound like you're talking long distance. Oh, mother. Oh, it's all my fault for being so careless. Oh, Lorraine. my stomach's Maybe growling. My stomach's growling. Stop leaving things around that are dangerous. <laughs> Come in. Up here. Quickly, <laughs> up here. Uh, bring the stomach home, boys. Here he is, doctor. Get to work on him, boys. Okay, doctor. Oh, you've got to save him, doctor. Well, we'll do all we can. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. Well, getting hysterical isn't going to help. He'll be okay now, doctor. Thank heavens. Stop crying, Lorraine. Let her alone. Maybe the scare will make her realize that death is sometimes caused by careless parents. Well, last week alone, we had 32 accidents that should have been called deliberate. And all because of the carelessness of the parents who leave dangerous objects within the reach of children. Oh, I feel faint. I think I'll go lie down. He's okay now, Doc. Oh, mommy. Mommy. Yes, dear? Now that you saved me life, you better tell Nemo not to lay down on the bed. What? <laughs> Look what was in my bed. Two bear traps. Thanks for being with us tonight. We hope you liked our program well enough to be with us next week. So until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now. Thanks for listening and thanks for buying more and more of that Wash Day Miracle Tide. Procter & Gamble invites you to join us again with Red Skelton next Friday. And now stay tuned to The Life of Riley, which follows immediately. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. Don't forget your community chest. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by The Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Zneimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.